All right, an update now on the situation in Eastern Europe. Um, the Kremlin today saying that the United States' rejection of Russia's main demands to resolve this crisis over Ukraine leaves, quote, little ground for optimism. But they add that dialogue is still possible. Now, they've got the written response from the United States to their list of demands, uh, and they're saying the rejection of the main demands is what has them upset. As you know, the tension is at an all-time, well, not an all-time high, but certainly in the past several decades. Uh, 100,000 Russian troops build up near the border. Uh, A lot of people saying it's a signal that Moscow intends to invade, and there's all kinds of discussions underway as NATO's involved, our country's involved, all kinds of high-level discussions. So uh, what can we expect Is there a way out of this? We're going to chat now with Dr. David Rogers Marples, who's a distinguished university professor of Russian and East European history at the University of Alberta. Doctor, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate you joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. So, I mean, let's just go back to how we got here, Uh, sort of how we got to this situation with with the Russian buildup of troops, um, why they say they did it, and whether there's any merit to what they're claiming. Well, the Russian build-up is not the first time uh, this has happened. It happened over a year ago as well. There was a build-up at that time. Um, It's putting on pressure uh, on Ukraine, really, on a situation that dates back to 2014, when there were the protests in Ukraine. The Ukrainian president uh, fled from his office. Uh, A popular revolution succeeded, put a new president, pro-Western direction, the, the Russians uh, annexed Crimea from Ukraine at that time, and they began a war in the Donbass region in the Far East that is still going on today. There's been no decision on the future of those regions. There was a, an agreement made in Minsk in 2015 called the Minsk Accords. Uh, this wanted all the foreign troops out of the region and specified that Ukraine would give these regions some autonomy. And so far, nothing has happened Um, In that regard, Ukraine claiming that it doesn't have control over its own borders, which was one of the stipulations, and therefore it cannot possibly give this region autonomy. And especially while you've got these pro-Russian separatist governments in power, armed by the Russians, and really intent on undermining the Ukrainian government. So there's a number of reasons, but Russia's focused on NATO and the expansion of NATO um, in the post, let's say the post-Soviet period in general, but particularly uh, Poland being uh, accorded membership in 1999 and the three Baltic states, which were part of the Soviet Union in 2004. And you may ask, why is this coming up now, 18 years later? And for that, you'd have to probably ask Vladimir Putin or Sergei Lavrov. Uh, I don't know. But Russia has finally come around to a decision to resolve something in Ukraine to try to get this resolved. For whatever reasons, it may be for domestic reasons, it may be for foreign consumption, it may be because there's a fairly new green president in the United States, and because the United States seems a little weak at the moment. It pulled out of Afghanistan, and when Trump was president, it pulled its forces out of Syria. So it does look like the U.S. is retreating a little bit from the position of a kind of global policeman or something of that nature. So this may be the time. So the stated reason for what they're doing, which Russia has said is um, they're concerned, as you said, about NATO and about Ukraine being taken into NATO and having troops uh, amassed on their border. Um, but there's, there's really no indication that that's something that's on the on the near horizon, right? No, um, there's no immediate prospect of Ukraine joining NATO. 
The only difference between now and, say, 10 years ago is that there is a groundswell of opinion in Ukraine in, in favor of joining NATO. Yeah, and the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, has stated several times that his desire is to be part of NATO and as soon as possible. But I don't think uh, it's on the agenda, and you would have to get every NATO state to agree to it, which at the moment is simply impossible. I mean, the Germans certainly wouldn't agree to it. And I think there are several other states that would be hesitant as well. Um, so you've got the internal politics in Ukraine, obviously has some bearing on this. What about, um, we know that um, a, a lot of people who've studied Russia and studied Vladimir Putin and, um, you know, know about the man, he's never really gotten over the breakup of um, USSR. And he would, and, and Ukraine is sort of a feature, I mean, this is a long-standing, long-burning issue for him, right? So is there some personal um, angst there for Putin himself? He seems to feel a special affinity for Ukraine, and he said so on several occasions, uh, including when he's visited Ukraine in the past. For example, in, as long ago as 2004, he was talking about we really want people, we have one religion, we have one culture. Uh, okay, we may have a couple of languages, but basically we're all uh, from the same region, the same place. And he feels that strongly about, about Belarus as well, that Belarus, Ukraine and Russia are the founding nations of modern Russia, and that this goes back to the 10th century when Christianity was was accepted. But Putin uh, also is, you know, is a, is a politician who's careful, flexible, and completely ruthless. I mean, I think all those three come together. And so it's never really sure exactly what the motives are for Vladimir Putin. I mean, why now? Uh, a few years ago, he seemed to have completely forgotten about what was happening in the Donbass, and simply wanted a, a solution, but he, he, Russia wasn't going to be part of it. And now, very suddenly, it's back making these kind of demands. And I think knowing that the answer is going to be no, in order to gain something, uh, that, that's my reading of the situation. It's not necessarily that he wants to annex Ukraine right. outright, uh, which he's not going to do with 100,000 troops. He would need about 400,000 to even contemplate it, and he hasn't got that. But he may have some partial aims such as annexing the rest of the Donbass, the part of the Donetsk, Luhansk regions in the east of Ukraine that are still under Ukrainian control, a fairly large part of it, and also perhaps to uh, gain the port of Mariupol, which is on the Azov Sea, and that would give some access between the Donbass regions in the separatist zone and the annexed Crimean region in the south. So it would be a kind of bridgeway, if you like, between the two. So I can see that kind of that kind of goal for Putin, these kind of aims. But I cannot, at the moment, no matter how I try, I cannot see a full-scale attack, Russian attack on Ukraine. It, it seems to me inconceivable. So how do we, where do we go from here then? What is what is the, the off-ramp? I mean, if, 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 if you don't see that, what do you see happening? How does this de-escalate? Well, I think um, one approach is simply talk, keep the talks going with Russia. Make sure that Russia is considered part of the conversation, whether that's to do with the Donbass region, which it is at the moment already part of the conversation, or, you know, NATO plans for the region as well. There's no reason why Russia could not be an observer, for example, at NATO meetings. It's not so far-fetched. And bring Russia to the table. Find out what do you want. What is your goal? What, what would satisfy you? But draw the line. 
right. um, at Ukraine, because you should not be sacrificing the independence of a state that Russia recognized uh, back in 1991 and guaranteed the borders of back in 1993-94 in Budapest and, and other places in making agreements when Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapons. So, you know, Ukraine cannot be the sacrificial lamb right, yeah. for the whims of, of, of Vladimir Putin. On the other hand, Putin does have a point. I mean, NATO is on its borders. It has expanded over the years. But it hasn't seemed to worry him unduly until until right now. Yes. And this is a crisis that seems to be created from Moscow for different reasons, I think. And with, you know, sort of an optimal goal in mind, perhaps, and a minimal goal in mind. The optimal goal would be uh, a statement that Ukraine will not be considered as part of NATO, say, say for the next 10 years, which is probably realistic anyway. Uh, minimal goal would be perhaps autonomy for the Donbass regions in coordination with, with Western powers and probably under the existing Minsk agreement. And I think that's attainable. Okay. Uh, doctor, I, I appreciate your time. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you, sir. That's um, Dr. David Rogers Marples, who's a distinguished university professor of Russian and East European history at the University of Alberta.